Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 369 for Tuesday, the 14th of October, 2014. Hey! We were thinking nostalgically before the show and thought... Ah, wouldn't it be fun tonight to celebrate the fact that ThinkGeek actually brought out a flux capacitor USB charging device? What? It was originally an April Fool's joke, but no, they decided, let's actually bring this thing out. So we're going to do some time travel. We're going to zip back to the 80s and see what television looked like back in the uh, 1980s. So if you're thinking that Netflix is a little too current for you, don't worry. Tonight we're going to go way back. I wonder if we're going to accidentally rickroll ourselves. Oh, boy. Hmm. Could happen. Could happen. Sasha Dermatis, over in the newsroom. How are you? Great. How are you, Robbie? Excellent. Awesome. What do we got coming up? Here's what's coming up in the Category 5.TV newsroom. Samsung plans to introduce a new type of Wi-Fi offering speeds around 4.6 gigabits per second. Dropbox may have lost your files, and hackers are not to blame. To truly teleport... An object a la Star Trek, you have to include all its quantum properties. Now, physicists say they have worked out how to do just that. And, in a surprise move in favor of its users' privacy, Twitter is suing the United States government for spying. Stick around. The full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Starring Sasha Dermatis. Hillary Rumble. Krista Wells. Eric Kidd. And your host, Robbie Ferguson. Introducing Belltone First, a revolutionary new hearing aid. So small you can hardly see it. So comfortable you can hardly feel it. For the first time ever, you can control hearing aids directly from your iPhone. Pick up the phone, listen to music, and use your hearing aids like wireless headphones. Hear everything that matters. Try Belltone First. For a free trial, call 1-800-BELLTONE now. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Hey, I'm your host, Robbie Ferguson. I'm Hillary Rumble. Hillary, we've got a Raspberry Pi that we Ooh. are going to be looking at here Ooh. on the show. But, whoa! What's going on? Don't worry, it wasn't in the box, but Dave Maydew just jumped because he's got us in 3D what? on his brand new TV. How crazy is that? That is wild. Did I make you jump? Whoa! whoa. Don't worry. Don't worry. There's the goods right Safe. there. We're all yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I just had to find something. I'm like in Studio D and had to find something. <laughs> now he's got this uh, TV that not only up converts video, but actually has virtual 3D. That's So is able to take cool. us and pop us out of the screen and uh, said it's crazy, Whoa. especially here in Studio D. Huh. But, uh, how cool is that? The That's TVs cool. now will take a two-dimensional uh, video 
and convert it to a mock 3D. It can't be as good as something that's shot in 3D. And, right. of course, we're broadcasting live through an Internet connection, so it's, uh, it's lower resolution, mm-hmm. lower frame rates, and everything like that. But how cool that uh, technology has caught that, gotten that Very far. Neat. We're not talking the red and blue either. <laughs> so. Hey, we've got a fun show tonight, eh? We've got, uh, we're going to be looking mm-hmm. a little bit back in time with uh, some video websites that offer you mm-hmm. the ability to jump back uh, about 30, 40 years. <sighs> 20, Whoa. 20, 25. Oh, something like that. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're looking at all these shows and thinking, oh my goodness, I feel really old at this point. <laughs> but it's all good. But it's, uh, it's going to be fun to look back. I'm down for that. I am down for that. You're watching Category 5 Technology TV. We are a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. And you can check that out at cat5.tv slash TPN. And the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. You can find more about that at cat5.tv slash IAIB. Don't forget to check out our mobile website as well, m.cat5.tv. You can scan that QR code or just visit the site from your tablet, mobile device. And uh, you can watch the show live. You can listen to the show live. And, of course, there is on-demand video access there as well, m.cat5.tv. So we're here in Studio D. We are. It's my first time. First time here, oh, folks. What do you think? I'm excited. I'm nervous. It looks great. We have some some live studio audience members. So I'm a little nervous, but the the paint looks <laughs> great. Everything's so clean and it's, bright. It's really been coming together, right? It's awesome. It looks so good. What a transformation from the beginning and and figuring out and unearthing some problems and Indeed. now yeah. going through the process and to see this, it's like... And now yesterday yeah. I put the final coat of paint on the trim of the doors, Ooh. <laughs> which we can see, you can't see, but it's a, it's a dark blue. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's and great. that's going to prepare the way for our TARDIS that's going up oh, on one of the doors as well. So groovy. that's going to be going up in the next little while. Cool. I got, uh, can I, can I pull up this too? Whoa. Wait, Check this are, out. Where are you going? Wallpaper. Oh, the wallpaper. Follow me, camera guy. I have no head. <laughs> <laughs> But there we go. So this is oh, going to be going cool. up on these walls back here. So we've got uh, brick walls that are going nice. to be going up. So that's just a little bit of uh, you know, inside scoop for you. Of course, cool. if you want to check out what, uh, what we've been doing, what is to come here in Studio D, cat5.tv slash studio is where you go. We've got all the videos backstage pass mm-hmm. where you can see all this work being done. And uh, all this drywall was ripped out. And, by these hands and installed by those hands and installed Never before. by uh, Krista was here mm-hmm. and Brad was here and we've had a countless number of volunteers oh, come in yeah. and, and help out I uh, also want to say thanks to everybody who has supported the project uh, with a monetary donation as mm-hmm. well uh, that has made a huge difference throughout the process uh, of course we do have financial needs and we appreciate uh, your contributions at cap5.tv slash studio it's so great because we've got like this awesome community of viewers that contribute financially, contribute insight and wisdom in the chat room, and um, also who have registered recently to be a part of our community. Now, this is like a worldwide endeavor, people. We have people tuning in right now in Hong Kong, in where are we right here? Is this America, the beautiful? What All is this? Over the yeah, world. New York, Florida. 
Let's uh, oh, there we are in Ottawa. Yeah, okay, well, we've got a, a long list of names actually tonight. Category 5.tv, if you've registered on our website, mm-hmm. want to say hi to Zero X Damon. Thanks for joining the, the team as well, Rainbow Man 101010. Hey, yeah. Uh, who else have we got? Trucking Geek. We got Baldrick the Brave. B. Thornburg, welcome to the show. Sweeshin. Domain Keeper. PC Tweaker. I really want to get like a, a mirror and bash the glass out of it and sit here. I see PC Tweaker. <laughs> Speaking of nostalgic video. Well, there you go. There you're tying into the into the game mm-hmm. of today. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else we got here? Okay, Isaac. Thanks for joining us. Also, R. Flores the Third. Why uh, Gorius? Uh, Revenant Oni. <laughs> I really should pre-read these. I know. They're kind of tricky because they're like <laughs> smushed together. Yeah, hey, how come um, you got the easy one? <laughs> Brewski. Hey, Brewski. Also, Skogs. 5E Switch Tech. Thanks for uh, registering. Ran31552. Welcome to the show. Mm-hmm. And PC Sar. Thank you, too. Jason Phillips794. Welcome. Larry. Welcome. Oh. <laughs> I can read Larry. Hi, Larry. <laughs> also, Texas Chief. Peeping Tomcat. Net Gnome. Luke D. And what's our last Finally, one? Benjo. Ben. Oh, Banjo- I just figured it out. There's no capital. <laughs> Banjo Man. Lesson in literacy live right here. <laughs> Welcome to the show. You can register online, www.category5.tv. Of course, it's a, a free service to register on our, our website. Is a way for you to be able to qualify for contests, giveaways, uh, all that kind of fun stuff as well. Mm-hmm. You get some backstage access so that you can see what goes on behind the scenes. Check out category5.tv for more. Do it, people. Do it right now. We've been alluding to the fact that we want to mm-hmm. go back in time mm-hmm. tonight. Yes. Do a little bit of nostalgic oh, yeah. reminiscing with people we don't know. <laughs> and we, 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 in our research, we found some really cool websites that actually allow us to tune in to broadcasting as it was in the 70s, 80s, 90s. Yeah. So cool. whatever era you grew up in, hey, maybe there's something for you. Should we take a look? I would love to. All right. We do have your viewer questions as well, so if you've got your questions in, stick mm-hmm. around. Tonight we're going to be going through the mailbag. Okay, our first first up, I want to take a look at my80stv.com. Mm-hmm. That what do you sounds think of this good site? to me, because I was born in the late 80s. There you go. But I feel that I was like born in the wrong decade, because like I love the shows from the 80s and the music from the 80s, so this is like totally up my alley. Like totally. Like totally for sure. All right. Mm-hmm. So this this is actually emulating a an old tube TV. Look at that. We've got a remote control over here. We can power it on. Yeah, turn on that TV there. There you go. And we can, in fact, oh, lots Everybody of hair. Everybody have fun tonight. All right. So you can actually flip the channel just like you used to back then. Cool interface. And you can go right back to 1980. See at the bottom here, you can select the year that you want to check out. All the way up to 1989. The hmm. whole 80s are covered. Hey, if you only want a certain genre, you can uncheck any of the genres that are in the list. So if we want to just have cartoons, for example, yeah. let's uncheck everything except cartoons. Change that And channel. see what happens in 1986. 
Wow, look there you at go. that. We've got Galaxy Rangers up on the TV there. Let's jump back to 1984. Literally jumping back in time here. Look at that. Heathcliff. Classic. So oh, this is a cool. lot of fun. This website is uh, it's freely available for you. It's my80stv.com. Hmm. And uh, how, how much fun is that? I could see myself spending a lot of time. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's nostalgic, it, and it, you know what? There they were simpler days back then, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Where you could put the kids down in front of the TV, I yes. think. Yes, clean. And, uh, you don't have to worry about the types Nothing of commercials necessarily. Okay, what's next, Hillary? All right, next we have NickReboot.com. Oh, now this one's kind of fun. So this is uh, Nickelodeon, correct? Yeah. Primarily Nickelodeon. Well, do you, do you remember watching Nick as a kid? These days, it's oh, yeah. you know it's all SpongeBob and <laughs> I watched before SpongeBob. Before okay. SpongeBob, for sure. <laughs> well, NickReboot.com is an actual remake of the Nickelodeon channel as it was back in the eighties. Oh, so we're that's talking the shows that were broadcast mm-hmm. back in the eighties, but also the commercials, even the Nickelodeon branding and oh, really? splash screens and everything that's has all so been recreated through nickreboot.com and it broadcasts more like a uh, broadcast television network so you can actually turn it on and whatever is playing that is the show that you're watching (laughs) that's what it is just like as if you flipped on to the channel that is is nickreboot.com now we're not too entirely sure how that works right as far as the copyrights Mm -hmm. go and and that kind of thing but the creator of the site what did they say they think that, or they have claimed that. Yeah, it's legal under fair use. Under fair use. Is it the age of the videos? I don't know. I don't know. But we'll find out if you go there a year from now and it's still there. Then yeah. I guess uh, I guess everything's Got cool. Credibility, if that's the case. Yeah. No, that was cool. I sent that link to my sister and she opened it and she's like, she was laughing so hard. She loved it. So she'll probably spend a lot of time. Uh, <laughs> and, and what kind of shows well. can we expect from a channel like NickReboot.com? Um, I think about, um, oh, well, what, what did you watch on Nickelodeon when you were a kid? Well, I'm okay. thinking Rugrats. That's yes, the one that's, that's like the classic, I feel. Then there was like some other shows like, um, like the comedy show. So like all that. I don't know if you guys remember that. <gasps> with the You can't Khan. do that on television. What? Do you remember that, Sasha? Yep. Oh, oh I was yeah. Say, what I can I do on television? On I've been slimed. Yeah. Where they dump the buckets of green goo on their heads. It was green oatmeal. Green oatmeal? Green that, oatmeal, yeah. That's what it was? Okay. Disgusting. Now we know. So that was one. There's um, a good one. There were, Amanda show. There were a ton of shows that I were mean, on yeah. Nickelodeon. So that that's is cool. nickreboot.com. That'll take you back, back for a playback. Cool. What's next? Another one we have here is the nostalgia machine dot ah, So if you're more into music mm, music versus TV. Yeah, maybe you were a much music baby. This is any uh, much music baby babies <laughs> out there? The this is more up your alley. Machine.com. This is a lot of fun too. So what does this one do? So you get to pick your year. Ooh, 1981. 1981. 20, 1981. Okay. All right, let's do it. Okay, so I see that it goes all the way to 2013. Mm-hmm. How far back does it go? 1960. Oh, whoa. Okay, so 1981. And what is this going to do for us, Hillary? 
Well, once you push hit me, it will generate um, <laughs> the top music videos for that year. Really? So okay, it's let's cool. give it a try. Mm-hmm. 1981, you ready for it, Sasha? Yes. Hit say, me. say hit me. Endless love. There, there you, you go. go. You got some Diana Ross. You got uh, Kenny Rogers. Yes. Jesse's Girl. Wow. Look at this. So these are the top songs that were on the top 100 back in 1981. That's so cool. So, okay, well, what is it? These are each the music video, just to take you right back. There you go. And now you're watching the music video from that time period. So you can that go through. That is pretty sweet. I mean, for us nostalgia buffs. <laughs> and that's going to, it's going to take you back. Yeah. It's also going to make you roll your eyes and say. I can't believe I like that song. <laughs> yeah, what, was, what were we thinking that that was on the top 100? I'm sure there are a couple there that are are timeless. But that one is called The Nostalgia Machine. Ooh. The Nostalgia Machine dot mm-hmm. com. And uh, of course that lets you select the year. So pick your pick the year that matters to you. Let's let's see what, what happens when we go twenty thirteen. What happened last year? Okay, so it's it, it's right it's current, right? That's so pretty cool. These are mainstream hits from the billboard music charts let's go back to 1960 look at that all the way back although i doubt they'll have well there's some music videos there but some yeah. um well how does it really work? didn't exist they must have look at that now we don't have audio of course but the video aspect you can say they're 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 there all the way back to 1960 that's pretty clever cool i'd say a little bit of nostalgia for you tonight <laughs> Took me back to simpler times, happier times. Favorite show when you were a kid? Ultimate, like Ultimate. ever. Ultimate. Oh, and I mean a kid, like I'm talking before I was into Star Trek. Hmm. Like Saved I... by the Bell and. See, that is probably even preteen for me. Yeah. But I like like Care Bears, Inspector Gadget. Yeah. Inspector Gadget was a good one. Yeah, yeah. I loved that. It was good times. <laughs> what about you, Sasha? Full House. Full House. Yeah. Yes. I, I come from a big family, so Full yeah. House. Or Step by Step, because it was a, a blended family there. Yeah. So. Full House was definitely one of my mm-hmm. top three, I would say, for sure. One of the best, for sure. What about you? Let us know in the chat room. What was mm-hmm. your favorite back in the 70s, 80s, 90s? Back in the day. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a well, cool, little, it. uh, cool little world out there online, people. So check out any of those three websites. The internet has made yeah. uh, so much information and now video available to us to be able to jump back to 1960 mm-hmm. as far as what music videos were hot back then. Uh, that's funny. It's incredible. Yeah. How incredible is that? Well, this is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome Ooh. to the show, episode number 369. <laughs> My name is Robbie Ferguson. I'm Hillary Rumble. I am Sasha Dermatis. <laughs> Didn't switch. Oh, you saw my cue. That's all good. <laughs> It's all good. <laughs> well, hey, uh, we've got your viewer questions, uh, full mailbag tonight. So what do you say we uh, jump into a Pitter couple of those? Patter, let's get out of here. Right. Okay, this question comes to us from William from the States. Robbie, I want to create an internet radio station that will broadcast live. I don't want to use any of the stream hosting services as I plan to place limits um, on how many people can listen. My questions are... What would it take to host and serve on my broadcast from the server streaming side of things? Okay. Should I go through all the questions and then yeah, sure. you can give and, a kind of a and summary? We'll, and just stand, uh, stand ready to 
summarize it for me? Certainly. Would it be expensive? Is there a particular okay. specialist I should seek in order to have this built? Are there any options I should consider? I want the ability to broadcast around the globe. Basically, mm-hmm. I want to be in control of my own broadcast servers. Eventually, I'll want to move um, to broadcasting live video as you do. I'm assuming the answers you provide for audio would apply more or less to video. As no. much information as you can provide is appreciated. Love the show from William. Answers are going to be completely different for video. Sorry, William. <laughs> uh, okay, so what does it boil down to? I think Streaming the, services. Yeah, the key thing that you need to consider and what is missing from the information that William provided us is what is it that you're broadcasting? Interesting. A ri- I want to create an internet radio station. It's your so when you say it's your own, are we creating a station where you are creating all the content? Because really mm-hmm. that the the first question that I have is with regards to copyright laws and right. how mm-hmm. you're going to be rebroadcasting content. So if you are creating all of the content or if you have the rights to use the content, for example, uh, here at Category 5, we have a theme song. I did not create the theme song. That was created by right. Mick Rippon. Uh, but we, of course, that is our theme song. It was created for us. It's yes. our own to use. Mm-hmm. So I'm allowed to use that. Any content that you broadcast, similarly, you have to either have a royalty-free license for it, be paying royalties for it, mm-hmm. or uh, have created it yourself or had it created for you. And you have to be licensed in order to use it. So those those kinds of thoughts are key. As far as the technology goes, Hill, um, it really boils down to there, there are a couple of things that you have to take into account. The first thing is you're going to need something to create the stream. Mm-hmm. So I call this my generator, for example, okay. when I was doing online radio. So it's basically a dedicated server that has the capability of live audio encoding which could be mp3 for example just to keep it universal because really everybody is able to play mp3s as much as we'd rather probably from a, a open source standpoint um, broadcast in aug for example truth is is not a lot of people know how to work with aug so hmm. mp3 is universal it's going to work on pretty much any device any computer so that's probably the way to go so you have to have a system that's going to play the content mm-hmm. or broadcast the content live Um, And then it has to send it somewhere. So for us, what we use, uh, we've got a a full audio rig here, Mm -hmm. and we have a program called But. But? Yep. Oh, okay. I'm going to bring up Wirecast here, (laughs) and then I'm going to drag my butt window. (laughs) I'll just drag my butt onto the screen for you. There it is. Oh, that's interesting. It's called But. Broadcast using this tool, and it's a free piece of software that simply allows me to send the feed to a server, okay? Hmm. And so my server is an actual physical box. It's an actual physical computer co-located at an internet service provider's Hmm. location. Mm -hmm. So they have a, a massive amount of bandwidth, and we're able to send the feed to that server. Then that server is what users connect to in order to listen. Hmm. You wouldn't want to host it yourself in, in-house because for every person who listens, as soon as they hit listen, you have just increased your bandwidth usage by right, that amount. Right, so if right, you're streaming right. at 128 kilobits a second, mm-hmm. which is close to MP3 uh, to CD sound, then you're going to um, be using that for every single user. Yes. So 
if there's one user, it's 128. If it's two users, you're, you're now automatically using 256 kilobits per second. Gotcha. So you can imagine, okay, now that means, okay, <laughs> if I have eight users, that's a full meg. Yeah. If I have, uh, so, you know, you hope that you're going to have 100 users. Do you have a 50 megabit upstream? That's mm. what it boils down to. So you need to have uh, a location that's going to be able to do that for you. There are streaming service providers online uh, who will take care of that for you. Uh, they may already have the servers, and you just pay for a certain amount. But I, I understand from your question that you you don't like the fact that they limit your uh, number of listeners. But the fact is they do that because it costs money. Mm-hmm. For every listener that, that tunes in, it's going to cost money. So, um, I mean, that's the technology behind actually doing it. Um, you, I use an IceCast server. So okay. my, my system is a Debian system that I've installed myself. And on Debian has uh, the IceCast program installed, and then but connects to that. And then when you listen, you're connecting to the server, not to but. 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 <laughs> I didn't name the software. I just use it. I like. It that. Works really good, mm-hmm. and it's. But that's taking a sound source from my mixing console, right? Mm-hmm. That's where broadcast using this tool comes in. It's pulling the sound from my mixer. Uh, so you have to then again my sound is coming from my microphone where's your Mm -hmm. sound coming from right if it's not a microphone if it's mp3 files or wave files you have to have some way to play those yeah so that then they can be broadcast interesting lots to think about and i started your your answer by saying it's not like video at all completely different architecture completely different uh software and hardware required um, har- hardware for a radio stream can be minimal. It can be old computers pieced together with hmm. Linux running on them and pretty much what would be considered junk hardware because there's That's really cool. not a lot to it, right? Uh, comparatively, 128 kilobits per second for audio encoded to MP3, brilliant, uh, being sent down the wire to a server, great. Uh, comparatively, we are broadcasting at 7,000 kilobits per second right now, uh, video. So completely mm. blows 128 kilobits a second out of the water as far as how much power is yeah. required. Wow, so, interesting. Entirely different architecture. So I, I'm happy to handhold a little bit um, along the way. So if you need help, you're asking if there's any professional that I could recommend. I really don't know anyone in, the, in that space right mm-hmm. now. Um, And really that comes from just, you know, I built my own because I've been doing, I started internet radio. uh, We had a stream called Rock of Ages Radio that I started in 1994. And it broadcast all the way up until 2002, I believe, or 2004. Good haul? Yeah, it, it went on for, no, it would have been after 2001. Yeah. Cool. Here we go with the nostalgia. Yeah, I know. Here we go yeah, again. We're thinking nostalgic. <laughs> so I've been doing it since the real media days, and and then Shoutcast and Wire, uh, uh, Shoutcast, Winamp, Nullsoft's uh, products for streaming through Shoutcast, all that stuff. But now it's cool. really IceCast is where it, where it's at. Free, mm. free software to do it. We like free. We believe in free. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for your question and report back. With maybe more details, and then that can... I like that idea. ...assist further in that regard. See what we can do. Now, Robbie, I got a lot of questions here, but I know we also have a lot of interesting news. Sure do. So, I say, let's just 
take a little detour and go straight into the news with Sasha. All right. Here are the top stories from the Category 5.TV newsroom. Samsung claims to have found a way to make Wi-Fi data travel five times faster than it does currently. It said its engineers had overcome two significant technical problems that had restricted the transfer of data at well below its theoretical limit of 4.6 gigabits per second. Samsung said its engineers were working on Wi-Fi that operated in the 60 gigahertz band. Current Wi-Fi systems use 2.4 and 5 gigahertz gigahertz bands, and some can operate at speeds in excess of 1 gigabit per second. Samsung said it had managed to limit the amount of interference when many devices were connected to a Wi-Fi hub or hotspot. In addition, improvements to the antenna had helped signals travel further and be less susceptible to getting lost while traveling. The breakthroughs could mean data could travel at a rate of 4.6 gigabits per second. If the technology lives up to its promise, it would mean a one gigabyte file could be transferred in less than three seconds. The first devices built to use the 60 gigahertz Wi-Fi standard are expected to appear in 2015. For some reason, this reminds me of like the tech shows or the movies where it's like you have to like sneak in under the 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 laser beams <laughs> and like quickly steal a hard drive or or like a file and it's get just back. So fast. I love it. Anyway. Can you imagine, though, as we're considering going wireless with our transmission of our internet service here at the studio, we're on wireless right now using LTE, which seems fast. I think we're getting around 20 megabits a second. 4.6 gigabits per second. Crazy. When it's good to have a hardwired network that runs at 1 gigabit a second. Hmm. That's considered good. <laughs> so we're talking 4.6 times that. Mm. Being at the 60 hertz, uh, 60, 60 gigahertz mm. range, okay. I wonder how distant it will travel because I would expect that that may be kind of an indoor kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe not something that would get through weather conditions and things like that. It'd be interesting to see how that shapes up. I feel like lately people have been really like blowing open the limits because there was that that news story I did about a month ago about the new hard drive. It was the new capacity. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was, oh, I can't remember. Something huge. <laughs> Something really big. The capacity was really big. I can't. I can't recall either. Oh, no. But I believe okay. you, for I'm sure you would not somebody lie to us. Would, somebody will say. <laughs> Anyhow. All right. <laughs> Dropbox has confirmed that a bug in some older versions of its desktop apps deleted the files of some people who turned on Selective Sync, which limits cloud... Oh. Which, sorry, Robbie? Oh, that just sounded painful. Yeah. Yes. All right. Dropbox dropped the ball. Yeah. (laughs) Selective sync, which limits cloud syncing to certain folders. Typically, this would happen after a crash or forced reboot, making a bad problem worse. At least a few users found that they'd lost years worth of content through no fault of their own. Dropbox says that it's restoring files when it can. It's also releasing fixed versions of its apps, preventing older apps from working, and putting extra safeguards in place to provide this kind of error from happening again. Affected users are receiving an email that offers a year's worth of Dropbox Pro service for free. That is what they are getting for years of files lost. These efforts won't be much consolation to those who lost access to files at a critical moment, 
However, it at least shows that Dropbox wants to learn from its mistakes. Category 5 TV reminds you that a backup is only a backup if you have other copies elsewhere. Storing the only copy of anything, be it on your own computer or on an external drive or in the cloud, is not safe. Make sure you always have a bare minimum of two copies, preferably three, of any files that matter to you. Good advice. Mm-hmm. Now, to truly teleport an object, you have to include all its quantum properties. Now, physicists have worked out how. Photons have many properties, such as their frequency, momentum, spin, and orbital angular momentum. But when it comes to quantum teleportation, physicists have only, been ever, have only ever been able to transmit one of these properties at a time. So, the possibility of teleporting a complete quantum object has always seemed a distant dream or something in Star Trek. Now, a team of Chinese physicists has worked out how to teleport more than one quantum property. The team has demonstrated it by teleporting both the spin and orbital angular momentum of single photons simultaneously. They point out that there is no reason, in principle, why the technique cannot be generalized to include other properties as well, such as the photon's frequency, momentum, and so on. That's an important step towards teleporting complex quantum objects in their entirety, such as atoms, molecules, and perhaps even small viruses. To learn more about this exciting breakthrough, visit newsroom.category5.tv for links to the full literature. Robbie, yeah, I have to say that that scares me. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, when you mention viruses, that kind of I agree that would be concerning. <laughs> I think we're a long ways off from human teleportation. That's the impression that I get. But yeah, yeah. microscopic just... organisms being able to be teleported is. Mm-hmm. I, I wonder how far, like point A to point B, is what distance can it travel at? 60 gigahertz a second. I wouldn't want to accidentally be testing how far you can send a virus when we're really busy battling not spreading them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Maybe they can teleport inoculations. That's a better that idea. That would be a better I idea. Think. Let's work on that. <laughs> Twitter has sued the U.S. government over surveillance laws. Under current regulations, Twitter cannot reveal certain information about government requests for users' data relating to national security. Twitter argues that this violates the right to free speech as defined by the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. The firm said that it brought brought the case in an effort to force the government to be more transparent about personal data requests. Twitter's lawyer, Ben Lee, wrote in a blog post, It's our belief that we are entitled under the First Amendment to respond to our users' concerns and to the statements of the U.S. government officials by providing information about the scope of the U.S. government surveillance. Twitter brought the action against the U.S. Department of Justice and the Federal Bureau of Investigation in a Northern California court last Tuesday. Way to go, Twitter. For all your tech news with a slight Linux bias, visit the Category5.tv newsroom at newsroom.category5.tv. For the Category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Dermatis. Thanks, Sasha. This is Category 5 Technology TV. I'm your host, Robbie Ferguson. I'm Hillary Rumble. Hillary, what do you think of the virtual news set? I loved it. I was just watching in awe. It's just incredible to think of like how far we've come and how each set is progressively better in each studio and always improving and it just blows my mind i'm like whoa 
That is so <laughs> cool. Live chroma key, courtesy of Telestream Wirecast, cat5.tv slash Wirecast. And Crazy. Sasha. Yes. Your thoughts on the chroma key set? It How is do you like that? Incredible. And look. Oh, see? let's okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna switch shots here because she wants switch. to show you how wide Dude, this thing goes. I can go up here. It's so wide. This. Okay. Look at all that. So room. how do we do this? Well, it's all courtesy of Tube <laughs> Tape. Go to cat5.tv/green, and of course they are on sale right now. You can save as much as fifty-six percent off the regular price. Get all that you need to build your very own green screen studio and start doing special effects for video or still photography. That's cat5.tv/green. Very cool. Love it. All right. Well, we've got uh, loads of viewer questions in tonight. We do. Thank you for sending them in, folks. Nice to see so many new registrations on our website as well. It's exciting. I got an exciting question here. Speaking of exciting. Okay, this comes to us from Selma, North Carolina from Revenant Oni. Hey, guys. Got a Roku a couple of weeks ago. And I discovered y'all and became an instant fan. Thank you. I love the Linux focus. First distro I ever used was a Mandrake 5. And I'm happy to say that Point Linux is now my main distro. Great. I'm getting ready to set up a triple boot of Windows. Ooh, I know. Old copy for games that Wine hates. <laughs> Point Linux that'll run Geek's Box in a VM for media. And Kali, deliciously evil, fun learning. What I'd like to know is, is there a graceful way of sharing a home drive partition between two distros, seeing as how Point and Kali are both directly Debian-based? The same username for both would be ideal, but is it uh, necessary if a division is required due to a similarly named config files conflicting? Does that make sense? A bit of a mouthful there. Keep up the good work. Can't wait to see Studio D in its full glory. Thank you. That's from Revenant Revenant Oni. Oni. Thanks for the question. Well, mm-hmm. uh, okay, so you, you've, if you've never heard the term dual boot or triple boot, uh, what Revenant Oni is trying to do is set it up so that their computer can run multiple operating systems independent mm-hmm. of one another. So what happens in a dual or triple boot environment or quadruple or whatever uh, is that when you turn on the computer, you're greeted with a menu that gives you the option of, do you Mm -hmm. want to run Windows today? Do you want to run Kali Linux today? Do you want to run Point Linux today? What is it that you want to use? And that's a great thing because, as was mentioned here by Revenant Oni, that there is still a need for uh, perhaps running some of those favorite games that are Windows only. Nostalgia. Well, not necessarily even nostalgia, but a lot of good (laughs) games that are coming out. Um. I'll give you a good scenario. (laughs) Um, way back when, when I was a newlywed mm. and um, I was testing the waters of how much I could spend without getting in trouble, I yeah. bought a really good force feedback steering wheel with the pedals and yeah. the whole kit mm-hmm. so that I could build my own arcade one day. Cool. I, I think I'm out of trouble now, 13 years <laughs> later, uh, but uh, I, I own this thing. And I love it, and it's a lot of fun to play the whole Need for Speed series and some mm. of the games that are coming. But they're Windows only, and gotcha. the device, while it will work on Linux, those games that Particular are so games, hot yeah. have to be run on Windows. Mm-hmm. So a dual boot environment is excellent. 
Another good example is some of the MMORPGs that are out there. Entropia Universe, Planet Calypso. Um, those things will only run on a Windows-based system. Oh, I didn't know that. So if you don't want to miss out on it, you don't want to run Windows necessarily as your... This is a scenario. If, mm-hmm. if you don't want to run Windows as your primary operating system and you want to have Linux as your operating system, you can reboot boot into Windows when you need it, then reboot back into Linux when you want to surf the web and Hmm. not have to worry about viruses and things like that. Um, So that's cool. Dual boot is excellent. Your operating systems get the full resources of your computer. Can it be done in a triple boot environment where you've got Windows plus, was it Point Linux and Kali Linux? Point Linux and Kali, yeah. There you go. Mm -hmm. So Debian-based distributions, Debian-based versions of Linux. So there are three different operating systems running on this computer Mm -hmm. and your idea here is to share the home folder which is where all of your settings all of your files everything are stored between both operating systems so my advice in that Mm -hmm. scenario is that that's probably not the way that i would do it i would say instead why not share some of the folders that are crucial to you for example documents um videos pictures those are the folders that I would um, create on a NAS device that has redundancy or on a server or possibly mm. on the internal hard drive, but then mount them as mount, uh, two mount points between both of those distributions. So you edit your FSTAB file so that wherever your documents folder resides, maybe, good scenario, are you going to be doing any document editing on your Windows partition. See, because think about this. Windows can't read Linux partitions. Right. Linux can read anything. So if you created the documents folder on your Windows partition, NTFS, then Linux would be able to mount those to the documents Mm -hmm. folder. So now if I edit a document in Linux and save it and then reboot into Windows, it's in the documents folder and it's there. So I'm not sharing the home folder. I'm sharing individual folders that have to do with home files. So that's documents and whatever else. The disadvantage to that is in Kali, you're not going to have the same bookmarks as in uh, in Firefox or Chromium in Point mm. Linux. Right? But you could run into problems where if you did share your whole home folder, you could run into data corruption. And that's what we want to avoid. We want to share the things that are safe to share between them, but not share the things that could lead to corruption. For example, sharing, uh, you have different versions of different programs through both operating systems. Mm -hmm. So if I have a a particular version of Firefox in Point Linux and I create my bookmarks and that's all fine and good, and then I go into Kali Linux, it creates a new profile. Mm -hmm. It maybe has a different version and could have some problems with communicating with those files yeah. and could cause problems that now I can't read them in Point Linux. It's just a bit of a mess. So you, you probably don't want to do that. It doesn't sound good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope that that helps. Thank you very much for the question. Yes, um, certainly, uh, if you have uh, any specifics that you need a hand with, let us know. But uh, grab the folders that you really uh, need to have access to in all the operating systems. And I like the idea of use the documents folder on your NTFS drive. Hmm on that Windows partition, if you're going to be using it. You know what else is nice about that, Hill? If I download a file, let's say I'm in Linux, Mm -hmm. and I find this great tool for for Windows, and I think, oh, I'd really love to install that on my Windows partition. Well, I could download it and save it in my Documents folder. Oh, that's a good idea. And then I reboot into Windows, and it's in the Documents folder. I can run the AXE. Smart. So that, that could 
that could work good pretty thinking. well for you. I guess so. <laughs> well, thanks for your question. Report back if you need a follow-up. Thanks a lot. From the doctor. Okay. The doctor? <laughs> Just a the doctor. A follow-up appointment from the doctor. Right. Okay, another question here from Spectre1055. Hey, Spectre. Hey, Robbie. What do you think about the shell shock exploit? if it even is an exploit and what should linux users do to stay protected i ran updates on all my computers ubuntu and debian boxes and took a look at um the website here shellshocker.net thanks for all you do specter 1055 sorry just chatting in the chat room too this is so active eh oh oh our our former uh question asker is uh following up here so we got some follow-up there we go nice we love it Okay, so Shellshock is this bug that hit Bash. And Bash is uh, a terminal environment that allows you to execute commands in Linux. Okay. Great. Hmm. Unix, Mac, whatever. Uh, Any Unix derivative may have Bash. The problem isn't so much, um, Spectre, that your Linux computer is in danger. Because it it is if you don't update. and what we did is we created a link for you, cat5.tv slash shellshock. That takes you to a, a ZDNet article that hmm. is really well done and just shows you if you've got a server and if you've got a Linux computer, here's what you need to do to update to protect yourself against shellshock. Why is it dangerous? It allows a hacker or, uh, in this case, it's so easy to exploit, it allows anyone to control your computer. And when I say anyone, I mean they don't have to be a good hacker. They can be just somebody who read how to do it online and now they're able to hack into your system. Oh, man. Why does that matter? Well, of course, privacy reasons, but also Mm a big threat these days is what's called a botnet. So that's when your computer, your devices become a part of a supercomputer network that is used for cyber terrorism. Um, It it basically creates a network of computers that become one supercomputer that now is in control uh, under the control of a, a better hacker. Freaky. Right? So they can be used to attack other other services mm. and sites. You hear about oh, man. what's called a DDoS attack, which is a distributed denial of service attack. So that's when thousands, potentially hundreds of thousands, or even millions of computers all at once attack a single point, and mm. then that point goes down. So yeah. when you hear about oh, Amazon went down because of a DDoS attack. Well, that's a huge deal. That means there are thousands of computers all attacking Amazon all at once. It's not their fault. They're under attack. Hmm. So when you are susceptible with things like Shellshock, problems like that, and it's not a Linux issue exclusively. It's a big deal on Windows. There are lots of rootkits and and botnet exploits on all operating systems. it's it's a serious issue because you can become a part of that and not even know it. Yikes. The problem, because it's so easy to update your computer, that's not the concern here, Spectre. What the biggest concern is, is that we think about our devices. Mm-hmm. So you've got a smartwatch. Okay, you've got uh, a smart fridge. Some people have smart toasters. <laughs> I don't have a Whoa. smart toaster. I've never felt it necessary to have a smart toaster. <laughs> but maybe it's cool that some fridges have your shopping list up on the screen on the fridge. That's kind of neat. We're in a progressively more and more connected society. Mm -hmm. We've got mirrors that are smart mirrors. That's kind of neat that you can see the weather forecast in your mirror. Uh, And there's all these kinds of things. I'm sure you can think of examples. 
their appliances, but really their computer yeah. systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what the problem is is that how, how do you upgrade your mirror? I don't know. And if I you've didn't got even know a that was smart a thing. fridge or a smart toaster, <laughs> and it has bash on it, how do you upgrade it? Good question. That's where things get really serious because now you've got a toaster <laughs> that is attacking the FBI's website. Yeah, weird. All right. So it becomes a, a serious issue. Mm-hmm. And again, I go back to also privacy. If my toaster gets compromised and I have Samba shares on my network and it's able to access yeah. shared files on my network or passwords on my network, think about routers. Routers, all of your internet traffic goes through your router, mm-hmm. your modem. Your ISP provides your modem. Do you know that it doesn't have Bash or that it is an up-to-date version of yeah. Bash? Yeah, interesting. Right? So with all the communication going through, every time I log into anything, it's going through that modem. Who's collecting that data? Yeah. Who's compromised that? So it, it can be very, very serious, hmm. but probably blown out of proportion too because we've got a there's a certain level of media fear-mongering in that we got to be clear that you've got to upgrade and you've mm-hmm. got to be mindful of these problems because if you are exploited, that's a serious problem. You probably aren't, but you could be. I'm perpetually freaked out after being on the show. Sorry. Now I have to throw out my toaster. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Stuff to think about, though. It's freaky weird. Yeah, that's that's the world that we're living in. But and very it's interesting. Become progressively more and more like that when everything is connected. Yeah. My eyewear has internet. How does that work? Well, strange. Hmm. Very interesting stuff. Well, thank you for your question, Spectre. That's uh, thanks a lot. Uh, guest ninety three forty two in the chat room says, "Sorry, no toast for you." I know. It's a hard life. Alpec is afraid that it might burn you. Ha ha ha! Thank you. We're here all week. All right. Thanks the puns are starting to roll into the chat room. <laughs> if you would like to catch all the puns, go to category five on Freenode. There you go. <laughs> I'm going to move along here. New question. New potential for puns and jokes and whatnot. <laughs> okay, this comes to us from Gregory, hey, Gregory. Asking, can I set up a dual boot from two separate installations? One of Windows 7 and Point Linux. I'm currently using pull-out hard drives for different OSs. Yeah. Well, this is, this, isn't that funny? This is very similar to the question that we already yes, so had in kinda... that we were talking dual booting. How did that mm-hmm. happen all in the same week? Um, Gregory, yeah. Do it, buddy. We've already <laughs> talked about the benefits of a dual boot environment. I think it's a great way to do it. Now, what you're doing is okay. Hot swapping, or mm-hmm. not hot swapping, but swapping a drive and mm-hmm. booting it up. Um, that's fine. You know what I did for years is I changed the boot order in my BIOS. I had two hard drives, and one of them was Linux, one of them was Windows, and I would just change the boot order. Hmm. You have the potential of data corruption if you do that, but if you're careful, it's okay. In your case, you're taking out one drive, putting in another. So there's the physical movement of these drives, and are they in a drive tray, which is safer than if you're pulling cables and things like that? Then 
you know that that all comes down to yeah, your own choice but uh yeah dual booting um if you've got windows installed start your linux installer it will detect Good the windows idea. operating system and it will ask you what do you want to do do you want to overwrite it or do you want to install alongside of it the last question during your installation process for any flavor of Linux that is reasonably modern is going to be, do you want to install the Grub bootloader or whatever the bootloader happens mm-hmm. to be? That's that menu system. So if, if you say, yeah, let's install Grub, on the, now make sure you've just got the one hard drive installed, okay, just to save yourself some headaches. <laughs> if you've got the two hard drives installed, okay, well, which drive is the boot drive? Yeah. And it gets confusing. Just have one hard drive, install Linux, let it detect Windows and um, install Grub. Then when you reboot your computer, mm-hmm. it's going to say, hey, we've got Windows and we've got Linux. Which one do you want? You choose. It'll time out eventually if you don't push anything and it will go to the default. Uh, and then you're, you're in. Hmm. If I can back up just a little bit, because I always want to tell you, get over to clonezilla.org. Download the free software that's available for you there. Before you do anything, back up your system. Clonezilla is brilliant because it creates an image of your entire hard drive. Oh. So taking that Windows system mm-hmm. before you mm-hmm. re, before you install Linux alongside of it, you can image it, create a Clonezilla image, Ooh, which means if you break it, you can undo all the breakage <laughs> because you simply clever. replace, you just Very put clever. the image back on the drive and anything that you did is undone. So clonezilla.org to get that. It's free software. We've had some tutorials on the show to show you how to do that. Um, Make that your first step. And good luck. Enjoy. Bon chance, mes amis. Okie dokie. We've got time for another question. I think so. Let's do it. Yeah. Wait, were we giving something away? No, not tonight. Oh, you were just throwing it away at the camera. I wasn't throwing it away. I was throwing it at him because Dave Maydew had the 3D TV. You threw it, but didn't give it. But we're not giving it away. I'm not giving it away. That was Sorry, a gift from I got, I got too excited. I know. I love the giveaway. She loves to give things I away. <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't have Drawbot hooked up in <laughs> Studio D yet. We're oh, working on it. okay. Well. When we do, we're going to incorporate it into Sasha's set, and it can fly around Whoa. her head and stuff. That'd be now, that neat. is yeah. a good idea. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Get your hopes up. I, just, I know. I just forgot what I was doing here. All right. Okay. This comes to us from Garth Davison of the United Kingdom. Hi, Garth. Um, oh, he apologizes he hasn't been able to watch a show live because in the UK it is rather late at this hour. Um, but he does have a question for us. Linux seems to be on the rise, and with the demise of XP, that seems to have helped. So here is my question. If Linux is to get mainstream, uh, become like mainstream popular, should it have one OS and one DE, like hmm. Windows and Mac? Good luck with that. <laughs> I yeah. use Arch, and for people coming over to Linux, a system Arch, like Arch would be very daunting. Even some Debian distros would be a bad idea. So how do we as a community stop scaring off the Windows people hmm. who might see the advantage of open source software? How do we tell them that this is better for you to start with than that? Remembering Windows users are blinkered, and I don't mean that in a bad way, (laughs) just that they have one thing to focus on. Okay. Uh, So what complete um, IE, OS, and DE would you recommend as a package for a complete novice? There are many, and that's possibly the problem. And I thought about this for a while. Okay. OS, operating system, DE, desktop environment. Mm -hmm. Okay, just to be clear. Um, Garth Davison, you, you kind of bring to my mind uh, DJ Quad's comments from last week. And you're right. 
how do we share what we know with Windows users mm-hmm. while being kind in our approach to it? <laughs> it's tough. And DJ Quad called me out on it last week. Sasha, you know, mm. last week we demonstrated Windows 10. Yes, we and did. We had some hiccups, and my automatic reaction is to bash Windows, and I feel bad about that, and I apologize, community. Because <laughs> the fact is is that the users of Windows are our community. The users of the operating system are the people that yeah. realistically we want to help by saying, you know what, there are alternatives. Mm-hmm. Sasha, you've got Linux now on your laptop. How's that That's working right. out it's for you? Working perfectly. It's smooth. I love it, actually. But if I had a bashed windows if i had said oh windows is stupid right which i'm not saying but had i done had i taken (laughs) that approach with you it was different because i know you in person so we kind of showed you and walked you through and took the right approach and that worked right right well and this show has made me so much more interested in discovering linux which helped and i guess it was the virus aspect which was probably my biggest thing was the fear of getting a virus is that true it's that's one of the main things right well you're not gonna <laughs> have to worry about that <laughs> right right that's I'm why right i did this, this. Right? <laughs> she's completely infected I, she's got botnets all <laughs> over the place but no uh yeah that's definitely one of the things so okay so sasha hit the nail on the head uh that it's really about showing what is what, what is good about Linux? Why is Linux a, a good mm-hmm. operating system? Why is it a good alternative? Sure, Windows XP is dead. We know that. That's not bashing. That's truth. It died in April, and you should not be running it. <laughs> Plain and simple. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you're running Windows XP, you have to change what you're running. There's no option. Nice thing about Linux is that you can install it on that XP hardware, unlike Windows 7, Windows 8, Windows 10, whatever. It's not going to run on the old Windows XP hardware, Linux probably will. Mm. So you've got that advantage that, yeah, it's a good opportunity for you to try Linux, and it's free, and that's great. Can there ever be a universal Linux? Like, here is Linux. The Linux. And Mm -hmm. a lot of companies have tried that. Uh, Michael Robertson tried what was Lindos and became Linspire, Mm. and that was his goal, was to try to create a company that built a Linux for the desktop. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think about some of the other ones that have started and failed. Xandros uh, is another one. Uh, hmm. Same, similar kind of idea. They wanted to help transition people to Linux, but it didn't work out in the end. Canonical is probably the closest of any company in the history of Linux, in my opinion, to, have, to, to get to that place huh. where they actually have the potential to become an operating system for the masses and they're already really there but they are still a little bit elitist because they have pushed the different desktop paradigm which is okay it's what they're doing but um, for those users who are coming from Windows XP Windows 7 right. and they're used to the start menu it's the same problem as Windows 8 uh, There's, it's different it's a different interface mm-hmm. so will there ever be a universal one? No, I don't believe so because Linux is freedom. Linux is open source and Mm -hmm. if I wanted to take Linux and make it the way I want it and then share it with you, I can do that. Uh, Peter has created Point Linux and it's a brilliant distribution and I use it here at the show. A lot of our viewers use it. Mm -hmm. It's fantastic. 
um, because he saw a need for a particular type of Linux distribution for old school Linux users who want GNOME 2 styling and Comp is Fusion mm-hmm. and those kinds of things. For those of you who don't know what all those things mean, that's okay. I just mean <laughs> there are all different flavors of Linux for a reason. So with Sasha, we put Zorin OS on that computer because you were coming from Windows 7, mm-hmm. and it was a natural progression for you. It looks a lot like Windows. Absolutely. It responds almost exactly the same. It's easy to find everything I'm looking for. I mean, I don't use it for a lot other than blogging and practicing right. the teleprompter. <laughs> but for you, that, that, was a good, that was a good choice mm-hmm. for distributions, I yeah. think. But for someone else, it may be different because everybody's needs are different, everybody's desire for how the system yeah. will work. And that's one of the beautiful things about Linux, Gregory, is that it can be flavored to you. So you find one that works for you, mm-hmm. and, and there you go. So thank you very much for the question. I hope I've been thorough in answering it for you. This is Category 5 Technology TV. We are right out of time. It's been nice having you here. It's been a great show, and we're glad you tuned in. My name's Robbie Ferguson. I'm Hillary Rumble, and I say goodbye. I'm Sasha Dermatis. <laughs> We're still learning all the new system and everything, how everything works here, but I think that was uh, fairly smooth, all considering. So thank you for joining us, everybody, and have a wonderful week. Looking forward to seeing you again next Tuesday night, same time, 7 o'clock Eastern time. Check out our website in the meantime, www.category5.tv. Thanks to everyone at home, and thanks to everyone here in the studio for a great job tonight. Talk to you next Tuesday. We hope you enjoyed the show. Category 5 TV broadcasts live from Barrie, Ontario, Canada every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you're watching this on demand or through cable TV, check out the local showtimes in your area at Category5.tv and find out when you can watch live and interact in the community chat room. Category 5 is a production of Prodigy Digital Solutions and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 2.5 Canada. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in.